Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Newsweek Radio. I'm Jesse Edwards. And in just a minute, we're going to be talking with my friend Patrick Warburton. You might remember him as Putty from Seinfeld. So is it a problem that I'm not really religious? Not for me. Why not? I'm not the one going to hell. Or Officer Joe Swanson from the hit animated series Family Guy. This is Joe Swanson from Family Guy, and you're listening to Jesse on Newsweek Radio. Oh, it's awesome. We're going to talk with Patrick in just a minute. But there have been so many things happening at Newsweek over the past few weeks. I've just got to share... First off, Newsweek is celebrating 90 years in publication. Yes, the children love that. We even updated the website to a new modern and like classy, classy look. If you haven't seen it, head over to Newsweek.com today. Check it out. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I also just got back to the West Coast from a couple of live events that we hosted at Newsweek headquarters in New York City, which is a remarkable place in and of itself comprising you know, the entirety of the 72nd floor at World Trade Center. It's such a remarkable view. It, it's very difficult to get any work done when you're looking down at the Statue of Liberty or you go to the other side of the building, you're looking north all the way up the Empire State Building, way off in the distance. It's just so massive. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. Anyway, we hosted a couple of different live events there. And for some reason, they keep inviting me back to these things to MC. They, they, they say I've got a voice for it, but like, Many other people in this industry, I cannot stand the sound of my own voice. Uh, so I don't see it, but I love going and I'm very appreciative. And we had a great time. It was a huge success. The first event was for our second annual Auto Disruptors Awards, where we give away a trophy and recognition and celebration to auto executives who are doing amazing things in their industry. The second event was the following week, and we brought eight high school students and all their chaperones uh, from the National Association for Urban Debate Leagues, and we had them verbally spar with each other for the evening. We're also featuring each of these students on the debate podcast with Andrew Tallman, which you can go listen to now, uh, at least the first two episodes we're doing there. And we're also giving the students their own podcast that's coming soon to the Newsweek lineup called A Mightier Tomorrow, which is scheduled to launch sometime late May, early June of 2023. Hush, hush, that's top secret. That's why you listen to this podcast, is to get that inside line of information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Uh, so there's a lot going on in Newsweek, but let's not keep our guest waiting any longer. You know him as Putty from Seinfeld and Officer Joe Swanson from Family Guy. He's also doing some amazing things for St. Jude. Patrick, thank you for joining us. Jesse, thank you. What about Man in Bookstore on episode of Baby Talk with Scott Bayo? Back in <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. The, some of the fun, stupid old credits I've got. Blaster in Quantum Leap. So you're heading into the 22nd season of Family Guy now. Did you think it would last this long? Um, yeah, I 
you never know what's going to hit and what doesn't, you know, sometimes you're a part of something that seems to have such great potential, such great promise and nothing happens, you know, like the, the tick, uh, our short lived, uh, you know, series that tick years ago, which uh, was just about the most fun I ever had. And uh, we only got to do those nine episodes. It was a single camera comedy before it's time they weren't making single camera comedies really uh you know in 1999 2000 it's also a little pricey and they were uh, uh they were a bit numbskullish there at the network um even asking us if we needed to wear costumes it's a show about superheroes we needed to explain that to them <laughs> family guy i just got a few pages and uh, of course i looked at it and uh you know knowing how deeply religious and uh, critical my parents have always been. <laughs> my first thought is I looked at this and thought, Gee, mom and dad are going to love this. <laughs> uh, not, um, you know, and can I, and, you know, and, and, and is it okay to do this, you know? Um, and then of course, of course it was the, the, you know, the life of family guy has been interesting. It, it went for a year or two, right. Got canceled. And then that was back when they were selling TV shows on DVD. It was the biggest selling DVD. Fox had to reevaluate their decision and canceling brought the show back. And it's been going strong since, um, you know, recently I did a little bit of press to talk about St. Jude and whatnot. And of course, uh, family guy is a subject that we, we get on a lot. Something was made out of me saying, you know, I no longer apologize for being on the show. And some people, I think, were a little curious. Why did you ever apologize? The apologizes, uh, apologies I had to make were to people like my parents or not really apologies, <laughs> trying to explain why satire is important and that it is a comedic form that's been around since the beginning of time. It's an equal opportunity offender. We all have to be able to laugh at ourselves. And without humor, how do we get through this world where there's, you know, we're all silly and we're all stupid in many ways. Let's have a laugh. You know, it's terminal. We all come, we all go, but uh, you got to relax. So you were raised in a religious household, right? Your parents were both Catholic, if I remember correctly? Very much so. My father was in the monastery for three months in Gethsemane. His spiritual advisor in the monastery was Thomas Merton, who's a famous scholar. My father actually met Padre Pio, last ordained a saint out of the stigmata. If you think my dad's if you get the impression my father's religious, my mother even more so. She's scrupulous. She can't talk about anything unless it's religion. So, you know, they would get their newsletters and whatnot, and Family Guy deeply offended them. You know, at one point, uh, my father left a message on my phone. My dear departed father, I love my dad very much. Very good man, very good doctor. But, um, you know, they were a bit, you know, overbearing in the religious department. And he called up and he left a, a message on my phone one day. And he just said, Patrick, in a future episode of Family Guy, God is sitting in a lazy boy chair, sitting next to a bottle of lotion, getting ready to masturbate. I wish you would get off that show. Click. And the, the question, you know, and what I wanted to, you know, I, I, the conversations I could have with my father are just, Dad, God is not you with a beard sitting in a chair <laughs> next to a bottle of lotion. Uh, it's satire. And it's an equal opportunity offender, and there has to be satire. But they saw it as blasphemy. And so I guess my views on it, you know, even in the earlier days, just because the way I brought up was, I guess I saw it that way to a degree too. I would even, you know, times turn, turn it off when the kids would be watching it. And, um, and I actually had an issue with uh, 
one episode now in 12, over 20 years there's only one in one one and i just had found it so utterly offensive and unfunny that i just said i can't be a part of this this one and they go look it's never going to get past the censors anyways and i go well i'm not taking that chance just please write me out of this one that's it they know i'm a team player i've done a lot of stuff that has been you know you know edgy in regards to catholic like christmas episodes and you know the whole deal where you know there are those who would just gasp at what we've done so i'm a team player i'm there i might have been born and raised you know raised catholic you know we're we're bad catholics now you know what's funny as i say now my my, my wife did 23 and me and found that i'm 12.4 percent ashkenazi jew the first text I sent was to Jerry Seinfeld, who immediately welcomed me to Yidland. But I was, you know, thrilled doing somersaults. Hey, Jerry, you know, you didn't make a mistake in hiring me. Uh, so I've been a bad Catholic my whole life. Now I get to be a bad Jew and a bad Catholic. Um, you know, uh, it's all great. You know, uh, are we? That's one of the things I guess I marvel at in this world today is all the strife and all the wars and the this and the that, and it's all just so stupid. We're all here. We all got to love each other, support each other, be tolerant, and yet at the same time, have a sense of humor. I think the world of voice acting is fascinating. Can you walk us through a day of production on Family Guy? Do you all have fun? Do you get silly or is it just all business? Yeah. What's yeah, that like? Fortunately, our producers like, you know, Rich and Alec and Steve and the, the guys that direct us are, you know, uh, you know, funny you know funny gents they're pros we get in we get out we all record individually so we're not getting in there together if you ever see a bunch of guys like recording together that's done for epk because we don't do it together then the schedules don't work out like that but you know it's a very convenient gig because you pop in and you pop out and it's you know talk about a well-oiled machine it doesn't take much time how much time are you talking about how long would it take to record uh, an episode that focused on your character, Joe, for example. I mean, I could I could do two episodes that are you know even maybe a bit more Joe heavy. It's still under an hour. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just you know got all your stuff and every, we all know our characters backwards and forwards. We know pretty much what their take would be on material. You know, we give them you know three examples of pretty much each line and move on. And then um, every now and then we get some direction. So what's your approach to being Joe Swanson? How do you get into character? Just he's a cop, so he's, he's a bit more officious. You know, I've never been a chameleon in the voiceover world. At the same time, there are differences between characters. You know, if you were to take, say, Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove, um, you know, who could have sounded dark. But he did not because I looked and he also liked to cook and he was a reticent henchman. So I just made him sound a little bit sweeter to take the voice down here. And he's a bit warmer and sweeter like that. Whereas Joe is a bit more officious. Peter, Bonnie, and I are headed out if you could watch the house. So you can tell maybe the same guy's doing this voice, but one of them is, uh, you know, a bit uh, officious and uh at least coming across a bit sharper even if he's really not uh and that would be joe whereas Kronk is just the lovable uh numbskull reticent henchman so i know you don't spend all your time having fun doing cartoon voices but you just raised 4.7 million for saint jude's uh first of all congratulations that's an incredible accomplishment how did you get involved 
Thank you. Thank you. A lot of, a lot of moving parts though. My wife and I, we raised four kids. We want to do something outside of our lives, something, um, you know, make an effort. We are always inspired by, you know, St. Jude, which is at the top of their game. This is the hospital that has been at the forefront of, of pioneering therapies and cures for catastrophic pediatric disease for years. And when they opened their doors years ago, the cure rate for, you know, uh, the most common uh, uh, cancer in children, which is leukemia, uh, you know, the cure rates were 4%. It's 94% now, primarily due to the work that St. Jude Children's Research Hospital has done. Now, we have had the number one event in the nation, and um, it's called the Warburton. I didn't name it, but I did start the event, and Clark Rainey, it was, it was his idea to, to, to call it that. And for the last year, 10 years running, we've been the number one tournament in the nation for St. Jude. Wow. I'm not a star. I'm just uh, fortunate to be a working actor who's able to put four kids through college. The reason I have the number one event is for a number of reasons, if I could uh, you know, humbly tout our success, but it's not... Uh, it, it doesn't fall in my lap. Now, I, one thing I did do is I got the best chairman to run our event. He was the, his name's Clark Rainey. He was the chair of the Bob Hope uh, tournament out okay. in the desert. And I, I knew he was the man and I got him on the hook when I found out that he was from Memphis and had his own personal um, ties to the hospital. When I got Clark involved, uh, we had just won a tournament actually together and uh, celebrating over martinis. I drunkenly woke my wife up and said, Clark's going to run the event. It'll be huge. <laughs> By year three, we were the number one event in the nation. Now that's happened because first off, St. Jude inspires everybody. Um, everybody plays golf for one. It's a great common denominator to a degree. And when I say everyone, everybody from different, you know, rock and roll stars, it saves their lives. Uh, they switch from one addiction to another an unhealthy one to a healthy one. Businessmen play. All your sports guys play. Your actors play. And, and so we've had everybody come out to our event. Uh, the generous people of the Coachella Valley who love St. Jude. St. Jude inspires everybody. And so that's one of the reasons why we've done as well as, as, as we've done. But, you know, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, their, their, their efforts are heroic. They're non-proprietary, which means they share everything with the rest of the world. If you looked at that template, the first time I ever saw the hospital, it was like seeing Elvis Presley something. Ah, they're both from the same place. It's just the rock star of hospitals, sort of like, you know, Mecca. It's there. Wow, that's St. Jude. And in the Ukraine, during this war, they put on tr a train 1,200 children that were getting cancer treatment in the Ukraine and moved them to a safe zone, I believe, near Poland and treated them. St. Jude did that. St. Jude is now... Um, they're going so worldwide, they're actually taking and sending for free life-saving chemotherapy to Africa. Um, when there are problems in the rest of the world with catastrophic pediatric diseases and cancers, they go to St. Jude for answers. So they even make their own medicine at St. Jude because big pharma is corrupt, and we all know that. So they, you know, because of the price and all, they have to make their own medicines. Um, there's corruption within big pharma. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to take down big pharma. I'm just saying, look at money is money, but in St. Jude, they, they, there is, is a higher cause. And we all know that. One of the great things about our event is that now there are offshoot events. There's uh, my friend, Kevin Rahm is now hosting an event in um, um, Florida, which is an offshoot of our event as is um, Peter Jacobson in Florida. 
Um, a lot of this has to do with Clark, who's helping to grow this event, and uh, our friends, and of course, the CEO of St. Jude, Rick Shadiak, who's become a dear friend. So you did um, almost $5 million this time, but you and your team have raised uh, $26 plus million for St. Jude over the years. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, and again, it's just been just a massive team effort inspired by, look, it costs $2.5 million a day to open the doors to the hospital. So uh, even my friend, Scotty Medlock, uh, my dear friend, um, Scotty Medlock and Robbie Krieger had an event that had a different benefactor. They came to our event, our event and said, hey, can we change our benefactor to St. Jude? And I said, why are you asking me? I go, that's what it's all about. We, we're not running that hospital. I go, it's a worldwide effort to run that hospital. There's a reason that it is. It's expensive. But what they do is more important than anything else you could think of in this world. It's saving children's lives and, and the lives of those families too. Because when you lose a child, it just all but destroys a family so um yeah it's about being viral in the best sense so even though saint jude's a rock star and we everybody loves saint jude um it is important to spread the word to let people know yeah this is what they've done but this is what they're doing now this is why they continue to do what they do Overall cancer cure rates, pediatric, have gone from 20% in, uh, I guess, the late 50s when they opened their door, early 60s to 80% now. But as they say, we will not rest until no child dies of cancer. So, so how did St. Jude first get on your radar to begin with? Like, why them? They'd always been on, they'd always been on the radar, our, our radar. But I was playing in um, uh, Jim McMahon's golf term as Super Bowl golf tournament it was in miami it was uh just before the super bowl indianapolis chicago game um i met a little kid there that was there so his benefit his tournament benefited saint jude and there's a little guy there he's a saint jude patient and uh i was goofing around doing some voices for him and somebody from saint jude said hey would you come out to the hospital and read to the kids and i just i just turned and looked at him and i go yeah sure i do do you do you better than that i'd host an event and he looked at me he goes you would I go, well, absolutely. He flew out to my house. His name is Charlie. He flew out to my house the next week, and we started the event. That, that's how we got the ball rolling. Um, we were very small that first year. I think we raised $250,000. Um, but when I got Clark, Clark involved to run the event, and he spends, you know, a uh, thousand hours a year putting this together and uh and he's the one who uh took us you know into the stratosphere there and made us number one by year three but uh you know a good man who uh you know i've seen uh, tear up more than once when we unveil uh the check at the end of that weekend you know means so very much to him and everybody on our board we have a, a great board but there's like 30 people can't mention them but that's you know it's, it's those people and the people of Palm Springs, Coachella Valley, primarily, that have made this event what it is. So you're getting back into stand-up comedy, is that right, down at Jimmy Kimmel's in Vegas? Yep, just wrapped up our first week, and uh, we do, and it's just about the most fun. I, I love it. I did stand-up for a minute when I was 20, so I opened the show with about 15 or 20 minutes, and then we get into uh, Letters from a Nut, and they're hysterically funny. And I bring on the stage my secret weapon, uh, my buddy Mike Wilson, who is, I think, 
absolutely one of the best impressionists in the world. Um, people see the show and they wonder why he's not a household name. So, uh, yeah, he's fantastic. And we're having a blast doing that. So, uh, uh, yeah, after our first week, they said, uh, hey, when can you guys do this forever? <laughs> we're like, well, let's see. I mean, we're going to go back uh, in May. I'm, I'm traveling with my wife in April, but we're going to do the month of May in vegas there and uh we'll and we'll see we'll see uh, how long we want to keep this running but uh it is a lot of fun and it is a great show yeah what's the show like i mean without revealing too much what what was it what what does it entail well barry margers jerry seinfeld's producing partner they're also best buddies i from what i understand they talk on the phone for about an hour every day at least that's what barry says uh they look they produce comedians and cars getting coffee together barry's a funny comic and he's been punking corporate america for decades he's got nine best-selling books all called letters from a nut and his pen name is ted l nancy that way he was never able to be traced all the letters are real all the responses are real hmm. and they're a lot of fun one i always just you know share is you know just uh you know, a quick little, you know, a quick little example would be, you know, him writing to the Coca-Cola company. I've got a product, Kyat Doke. Uh, I want to make sure that it's not a conflict with your product, Diet Coke. They don't <laughs> taste, they don't taste similar. Uh, most people say that my soda tastes like Pepsi. Uh, how much caramel are you using? Uh, can you get back to me? Well, Coke Legal wrote him a scathing letter. You absolutely. He writes back, I apologize. I, uh, uh, I, I'm not selling it anymore. I've taken my $1,100 out of the bank and my seven cans. They're in my room right now. Uh, it was a dumb idea. I, 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 I apologize. <laughs> it wasn't well thought out. But please try my new product, Piat Depsy, which tastes nothing like Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so he uh, uh, he goes back and forth until they realize, all right, screw you. Um, <laughs> but uh, Do people ever recognize so- you on the street by your voice alone? Uh, yes. Is there any chance you do a, uh, a, a liner for us in the voice of uh, Joe Swanson? This is Joe Swanson from Family Guy, and you're listening to Jesse on Newsweek Radio. And uh, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. Look, uh, we want to give you the last word. What do you want to promote, and where should people go? Thank you, Jesse. And yeah, and just a real quick one here. Um, they primarily run that joint it's all with it with donations and and such a big part of it are people who don't have a lot of money to give but they do want to give something so they write a check for five or ten ten dollars to saint jude and they get millions of those and that helps keep those doors open so every little bit helps with saint jude you don't have to have a tournament that raises this kind of money everything it's a mass effort even our tournament is a mass effort inspired by the best hospital in the world. Patrick Warburton, ladies and gentlemen, what a nice guy. If you want to help him in St. Jude, go to stjude.org. It's a remarkable organization powered by you know, some of the best people on the planet. It's got to be one of my favorite charities next to probably like Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish in St. Jude, just awesome, awesome places. Go there, help them out if you feel so inspired. And thanks for listening to Newsweek Radio. Until next time, I'm Jesse Edwards. Jesse Edwards.